damn, what a crazy three or four months it's been, right? The stock market dropped so far, and only recently it's starting to just run up and run away crazy. There's no stimulus bill yet. People are still out of jobs. Companies are reporting crazy, crazy benefits uh, while the rest of us are struggling. I mean, it's just been nuts. You know, if you've spent the last couple of months learning something new, I mean, now's the time to really apply it, don't you think? I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunity that's going to come from this. I mean, when, when tides retreat, when, when the tribes come back, you'll see really who's naked under the water. But if you were preparing, you know, when this thing comes back, right, when COVID starts to retreat like the waves of an ocean, you'll see who's been preparing and who's been prepared and who's standing there naked. Welcome to the Market Adventure Show. If you haven't already, make sure you check out my course on gumroad.com called How to Invest in the Stock Market. It's linked in the show notes. And I'm your host, Alex Cunningham. And in this episode, we introduce a series on my top books for a money mindset. In this chapter, we talk about the book called Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we've been using the greatest man in Babylon and going through the seven cures to a lean purse and also going through the laws of gold. Right, I got a new one for you, The Greatest Salesman in the World. It's another book, great book, and it's got several scrolls in it. And the first scroll pertains to this. It says, I will form good habits and become their slave. Form good habits starting with the habit of reading scrolls daily. Scrolls our books, texts, whatever, as it pertains to today. Back in the day, they had scrolls. They had scribes write on scrolls information that was pertinent. But today, we have scrolls and uh, bounty, right? We have almost too too many books to read, right? So start good habits by reading scrolls daily. What an amazing book, let me just say. I've already read this book two times before. But for this review, I basically read it again for a third time, and I still had to read it with a pen. And I had to read it in front of my computer because I was just underlining gem after gem and tweeting them and, and putting it into my Google Drive to save the notes for uh, save the notes for later. And I had already read it twice, and I missed that many things. I mean, this book's over 400 pages. When I originally sat down, the plan was to combine three books into one episode, but when I got one chapter in this book, I realized really quickly that this book had to be its own episode. Now, the book is an adaptation of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Now, a quick overview. Napoleon Hill, a reporter from way, way back in the day, don't even know what year, met with Andrew Carnegie. Andrew Carnegie was one of the one of the wealthiest men on the planet. He ran a, I believe, a steel or an oil empire. This was back when, before they made monopolies illegal. So he was just running, he was just running it, right? So Napoleon met with Carnegie, and Carnegie asked Napoleon, spend the next 20 years, and I want you to uh, research 
the most successful men and women in the world. Uh, and he told Napoleon, well, you're not going to get paid for it. All you're going to get is a note from me that will allow you to meet with these people. So if you go meet with Henry Ford, you travel by yourself, you room and board by yourself, you take care of yourself, and you'll have a note from me that will allow you to see him. Right? Once he sees this note, you can sit down with him, no problem. Right? He was secretly timing Napoleon Hill to, t- to, to answer. Napoleon said yes right away, didn't even think about it. And what Carnegie later said was he was timing him because if you're late to making decisions in life, you'll also be late to action. So had he waited more than 60 seconds to respond, he would have got denied the opportunity anyway. So that, that's the overview of where the original book came from. So this book's an adaptation directly for the black community. Why is that? You know why. A lot of them old books is for white folks, right? There's not a lot of things that pertain to the unique situation of the black community. And it is unique, right? So this offer delivers principles and detailed explanations and also application, right, through story using the illustration of other people's lives to show the principles in action, right? This thing's over 400 pages, so I've only highlighted only a couple stories, but again, there are stories and gems after gems after gems. So don't take my review as the overview of the entire book. Right? So let's dive in. The rules of the game are the laws of nature. Now, that is the overarching principle for the whole thing. right? So keep that in mind. The rules of the game are the law of the nature. So he says, you are a mind with a body, not a body with a mind. Now, I've heard that several times over from gurus, monks, etc., you are a mind with a body. Your mind is inside the flesh. The flesh is only a vessel, right? And your thoughts are physical. They're living. And why is that? Well, if your mind came, is inside the vessel, the vessel was created to house the mind, meaning the mind created the vessel, which means the mind made thoughts physical to make the body physical. Dope stuff. So here are some of the laws. Laws of court, law of correspondence. What that means is everything starts from the inside out. The law of substitution. Only way to get rid of a negative thought is to substitute it with a positive thought. The law of belief. Anything you believe with feeling will become real. The law of attraction, right? The preparation is key for this one, right? Become so good and so competent at what you're doing that you force the opportunity to come to you. And the law of attraction, to, law, excuse me, the law of compensation, give freely without thought of return, right? Give to people without expecting anything from them in return. And what happens is that law then returns a favor to you, right? So you're not asking of the people, but you're you're giving to them with the understanding that the law always gives back to those who give. That's law of correspondence. I mean compensation. Right? So you you we speak of the mind, you have to understand that the there are three parts of the mind. But the main part, the main part highlighted in this book is the infinite intelligence, right? The universal subconscious mind, right? This is where the greatest ideas come from, deep, deep down. And our job is to unlock our creativity, right? Albert Einstein has been quoted many times saying how important imagination is. He says imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited, Right. And in this book, the author says, you know, imagination is the workshop of the soul. Right. What that means is our soul, our inner being is always working to to express itself. And it does that through our imagination. And so often as adults, we try to kill the imagination of children. But that's the soul trying to express itself. 
right? So here are some some uh, ways to unlock the creativity, right? To think constantly, think constantly, constantly. Relax your body and your mind. See yourself as already in possession of the thing that you want, right? Here's one of the first stories. This guy, uh, uh, Grass Gaston, author Gaston, right? Growing up. Very, 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 very poor. I mean, that's the story of a lot of uh, people in this book, right? His mother passed away. His uh, father passed away. So he went to live with his grandmother. And he's a child, mind you. And what he noticed is that a lot of the kids love playing on his grandmother's porch swing. So as a child, a black child with his parents passed away. And this is in like the 40s and 50s. We're talking, you know, the days of, uh, you know, uh, really, really intense racism he realized that if he charged them some pennies and some nickels that he can start his first business letting the kids play on the swing talk about unlocking a creativity as a child and this was his first lesson in economics that is amazing and you're going to see a lot more stories later on of again just creativity people in this book in particular are not given anything because a lot of these stories take place in the 40s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, where nothing was given to the black community. So this book does a very, very good job highlighting the possibilities when you just unlock your creativity. So he he goes on to mention the basic uh, motives behind every human thought, and he lists them as love, financial gain, self-preservation, sex, power, and fame, freedom, creativity, anger, and revenge, and fear. Fear being the most powerful of negative emotions. Actually, fear is the second most powerful emotion there is next to love, right? Um, if you ask Nicola Machiavelli, he says the opposite. You know, he'd rather be fear than love. But, you know, to, to each his own uh, applic- in application anyway. So how to stay positively motivated all the time, right? Having a right mental attitude is key. Throughout the book, he mentions that several times. Right mental attitude. To aspire to be something greater than yourself and possess a futuristic outlook. To, to, see, to see yourself as already having something or see the world as you wish it could be. Right, Taking personal responsibility for everything that happens to you. You edify, you affirm others, you lift others up, you speak highly of others, and you're grateful, not critical. You're selective of the friends that you are keep around you, right? Because we're the average of the five people we hang around. And you act, right? You act now. And another tidbit, you seek mentors, right? All of these things are better molded when you have other great minds helping you in your direction. So goal setting is listed as one of the master skills. Write down a clear plan, set a definite timetable, memorize the aim and plan. So this is where I know a lot of people talk about setting smart goals. No, no, no. Set a master plan, right? It's clear. It has a timetable, yes. But now your job is to memorize the aim, memorize the goal, repeat it several times a day, right? And plan in an expression of gratitude for receiving it. So that's the difference between smart goals and setting a master plan. It's memorizing the plan, 
by repeating it over and over and over again and then adding the emotion. The problem with the, the, the generic ways of goal setting and the benefits of goal setting is it doesn't address the emotion. The emotion of, of gratitude and the futuristic placing of yourself of already having it are very, 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 very crucial, right? Your goals have to be conceivable, which means you have to be able to put them in the words. They have to be believable, achievable, desirable, and they have to be just out of reach, right? Just because they're believable and achievable doesn't mean you can get there right now, right? They're just out of reach. And the key is to act on them every single day, right? There's a story in the book um, of a, a young girl named Bonnie, Bonnie St. John. And this goes into belief, right? Being believable. Bonnie St. John had um, her leg amputated as a, as a child, very young age. And the mother and the mother and father are obviously scared. You no know, black girl got a leg cut off. Very very sad, and you're worried. And the mother asked the doctor, you know, what what can't my daughter do? And what did the doctor say? Now this is different than other doctors. Doctors today are are, are some they're weird. This doctor said. She is only limited by what she thinks she can do. What doctor today would say that to Doctors love giving limitations. They love writing a prognosis. They love writing what you can and can't do. This doctor said she's only limited by what she thinks she can do. So what did her parents do? Her parents took Bonnie home and said, we're going to let her decide what her limitations are. Now, later on in the story, it's a very long story, but... She goes on to be a member of the Winter Olympics, I believe. She won a, uh, two silvers and a bronze or something like that, right? Super crazy. Uh, this, this flows right into being persistent, right? Being persistent. Nothing happens without persistency. Persistency of purpose is power. One who undertakes anything, his battle is half over, right? So on... On my Instagram account, I posted one of those videos on IGTV, and I, I referenced this this line in there is that if you just start doing something, you're halfway. A lot of people look at the whole picture, and they feel like they can never get to that end goal, but the, what they don't realize is once they start, that whole first half was imagined in their mind. They're already halfway there, and it's not as hard as they think. Right, so I'm gonna go on and quoting from the book here because there's some really good quotes on persistency. Right, a man is never quite so near to success as that which he calls failure has nearly overtaken him. Right, there's an old picture of a guy mining for diamonds and he's chopping away, he's chopping away, he's got his big holes chopping away, and just when he decides to quit because he hasn't found anything, he walks away. It pans to the other side of the tunnel. And he was one chip away from finding diamonds, right? You're never so close to success as when you feel failure, feel like it starts starts to overwhelm you. And you got to keep going. Because every adversity, another quote, every adversity carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. So even if you don't get what you want, you know that something better, equal or better to the efforts that you give it's coming to you. So you really don't lose, right? It goes on. There's a, later on, we'll talk about how winners make friends with failure. You really can't lose if you will only act. Benjamin Disraeli, one of the great minds of you know yesteryears, way back in the day, he says, Everything comes if a man will only wait. 
I've brought myself by long meditation to the conviction that a human being with a settled purpose must accomplish it, and that nothing can resist the will of a man that will stake even his own existence for its fulfillment. Now, that last part is key. Nothing can stop the will, nothing can resist the will of a man or woman that will stake even their own existence for the fulfillment of their purpose. Right? So we talk more about lessons on failure. One good failure can teach you more about success than four years of college. Right? You ever notice what that a lot of the people who run the world today, millionaire billionaires, they didn't finish school. Not to say that you shouldn't go to school, right? School has its place, but they learned through experimentation and failure, right? While we were in school being taught by teachers that we shouldn't fail, people like Mark Zuckerberg, people like Elon Musk, Bezos, those people were out in the world trying things and failing. So they were getting four years worth of success in only a couple months. As the more things failed, we were sitting there in class. Right, So there are three types of people in the world. The wills who accomplish everything, the won'ts who oppose everything, and the can'ts, those who fail in everything. And you have to know your worth, right? The world's going to see you as you see yourself, right? If you don't honor yourself, the world will take you at your own value, the value you place on yourself. And black America, to be honest, we have to protect our minds, right? The environment, our family, our friends, events in this world are going to tell us that we're not worth anything. We have to protect our worth and protect our mind, right? We have to see ourselves as we will one day become. We cannot see ourselves on, uh, in the context of today. We have to see ourselves as we'll be in the future, okay? Okay. The great Carter G. Woodson, and I have a quote here that I want to read because it's super, it's really, really, really good quote. I'm going to actually crack the book open for this if you can hear the pages. Carter G. Wilson says, when you determine what a man shall think, you do not have to concern yourself with what he will do. If you make a man feel inferior, you do not have to compel him to accept an inferior status, for he will seek it himself. If you make a man think that he is justly an outcast. You do not have to order him to the back door. He will go without being told. And if there is no back door, he whose very nature will demand one. Right? What did he just say? He said that if you can command, if you can control how a man feels about himself and how he thinks, you don't have to care. You don't have to give a damn about what he's gonna do. Right, the black community, we have been we have been controlled, right? Our thoughts have been controlled. Right? And until we break from them, people don't have to be worried about what we're gonna do. Right. So we must first that's why this book is so important. Think and grow rich, right? We have to first control our thoughts before we can grow rich. Because the the rich part is the do, but the think part, how a man thinks, is the, the real key to breaking free. So we talk about seeing ourselves as we one day become. There's another story in the book um, about an African hunchback prince. Now, I want you to pay close attention here. This is a very, very good one. So an African prince, he's, um, let's do the math here, a, eight, 13. He's 13 years old. 
Um, so on his birthday, he asked his father, right? The, the father's king, the king says, son, you can have anything you want for your birthday. And he says, dad, I want a statue of myself. Now he's a hunchback, severely hunchback. He says, dad, I want a statue of myself. And the dad says, damn, like, are you sure? You can have anything. I'm the king. You can have anything you want. And he's fearful because his son is, his son does not, is not look appealing. I don't know why he'd want a statue of himself. And he says, Dad, don't worry. I want a statue of myself, but I want a statue of myself as I would be if I was standing up tall, Dad. Right? And reluctantly, the king made it. And he said another thing, Dad. I want that statue of me standing up tall. I want that statue outside my window by the garden. So every day I have to see it. So reluctantly, again, the dad, the, the king, gets a statue built, and every day, the son, the prince, the hunchback prince, would walk himself over to that six-foot statue, and he would look up, and he would try to stretch himself to, 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 to match the statue that was created of him. He did that every day for the next eight years, right, because he's 13. The next eight years, on his 21st birthday, the hunchback king, the hunchback prince stood tall, chest proud, shoulders pinned back, six foot tall, matching the statue that his father built for him eight years ago. Right. He saw himself as he would become and he made action every single day to get there. Right. You have to rely on yourself. Right. And this is a transition because it speaks to what the prince says mentally, but now let's talk physical. You have to rely on yourself. Pretend like you're, you are your own personal business. You are your own .com. You are your own, you know, last name, Inc. You have finances. You have production that you have to get done. You have sales you have to get done. And you have to do research. And if you can get those four concepts down for yourself, right, being better about your, about your finances, being as productive as possible, and being as effective in your production as possible, knowing how to sell yourself in addition to selling your products, right, selling yourself and constantly doing research, and that goes back to the scroll of the today, right? Reading scrolls. A business has these four structures. If a business does not have these four, it will crumble. For example, um, Hertz did not handle their finances well. They went bankrupt. You know, for example, you know, there are a lot of businesses who went bankrupt over this pandemic, they did not have their four things in order. Most of them didn't have their finances in order. Some older businesses like Kodak, Kodak went out of business not because of their finances. They won't, they are they lost money because they didn't do their research. They didn't see digital cameras coming and they didn't adapt, adapt. So for you, you have to make sure you get these four pillars in order. So we talk let's talk about sales. Let's highlight sales, right? Selling ourselves. Salesmanship is the key to getting whatever you desire in life. People will be persuaded more by the depth of your conviction than by the height of your logic. More by your enthusiasm than, and your belief than any proof, right? People buy you. They don't buy the product, right? People will buy you and not the product. And every market is like that. And every market has a key to getting there, right? Salesmanship also has to do with a pleasing personality, Praise is a confirmation of your own worth, right? Praising something, having been praised by somebody is a confirmation of your own worth. So let's talk about the 20 traits of a pleasing personality. A positive mental attitude, visible interest in others, right? People can see you're interested in them. Integrity, 
flexibility, tactfulness, proper attire, sense of humor, punctuality, effective speech, a friendly smile, control of emotions, sincerity of purpose, patience, the ability to listen, respect the opinions of others, humility, courtesy, poise, hope and ambition for success, and enthusiasm. 20 traits for pleasing personality, right? You want to praise people for what they do, right? You have to praise people for what they do. You want to call them by their first names. You want to thank them when they least expect it. And you want to take into consideration another person's view. And you want to do all of this with enthusiasm, right? Having interest, knowledge, and belief, right? Enthusiasm is like a fire. Unless you continue to add fuel to it, it goes out, right? So switch gears from the salesmanship, but staying with this enthusiasm, you have to understand and be emphatic about this. It is your right to be rich, right? If you want to speak biblically, we were given dominion over everything. If that's not rich, I don't know what is. True happiness is not about possession of things, right? People think rich is, you know, some people want to be rich because they want to buy stuff. No. True happiness is not consists does not consist of the possession of things, but in the privilege of being able to express yourself through the use of things. For example, being rich does not have to do with money, but the way you can express yourself with money is speaks to how rich you are, if that makes any sense. So if I'm somebody who's super into humanitarian efforts, being rich and owning a plane is not, does not, you know, that's not where your happiness lies, in the possession of the plane. The happiness lies in your ability to express your love for humanitarian efforts through the use of your plane to deliver goods to people around the world. That's the difference. And it's your right to be able to do that. If you're poor and you believe in humanitarian efforts, you can't exactly be humanitarian when you yourself are struggling. Right? That, 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 that's something you gotta, we really got to consider. And the days where people tell us to be humble, it is hard to speak to your soul when you cannot express yourself. Right, The soul dies for expression. And if you are struggling, it is hard to express yourself. So that money is not bad. right? The way you think about money, money starts in the mind. Wealth starts in the mind. right? Money is an extension of you and the way you think. What is money, really? Money is your child's education. Money is a home-cooked meal. Money is a roof over your head. Right? Money is transportation and safety. Come on now. Money is health. Money is being able to, to not send your mother to a nursing home and to keep her and, and staying in your house, right? Keep her comfortable. Right? Money is, is is being able to pay for your hospital bills, emergencies, pay for other people's, take care of people in the world and give back. That's what money is. Stop talking about money is bad. No, money is an extension of the way you think. If you think bad, then your money is bad, right? The amount of money you receive is in direct proportion to the demand for what you do, your ability to do it, and the difficulty of replacing you, right? You have to think service first. This book, service first, profits second, right? The money comes once you provide a service that is proportional 
proportionate to the money to the the value that you brought right you have to qualify yourself for the money that you expect to earn qualify yourself through education or qualify yourself through value okay money's virtue is in its utility and not its quantity so we're not talking about again we're not talking about massive sums of money we're talking about being able to utilize it to express our soul right serving other people is how you get that no man or woman can become successful without enriching the lives of others. That's a rule in this book. You have to treat everyone you come into contact with as the most important person on earth. Right? People desire to be appreciated. That's the, deep, that's the deepest craving of human nature is to be desired. Treat people like they're appreciated. Right? If you see, like I said before, money, if you see the world in a certain way, you're really just seeing yourself. Right? The great majority of people begin their days in neutral. They wait for the world to tell them how to feel. If, they, if it goes well, then they feel good. If it goes bad, then, then they feel bad. Right? Their attitude reflects their circumstances. Think about a pebble. Right? When you pick up a pebble and you hold it right in front of your eye, it looks huge, massive, like a boulder or a mountain. When you move it away from you, you, it becomes smaller and smaller and more manageable, right? Perspective is everything. Your attitude towards life will determine life's attitude towards you, right? Nothing in the world exists outside of you first. It, everything starts inside. What do we talk about? The law of correspondence. Everything inside of you, is an, it, everything outside is an expression of everything inside of you. Okay, now there's a simple formula for, for all of this. There's a simple formula that I'm going to read to you right now, guys. So there's a story in the book of an old man. Right, this is, this is a simple formula. The, the old man explains to the children, um, he's sitting outside of his town with a group of children telling them stories. And, and the stranger walks up and the stranger says, hey, um, I'm leaving my town. I'm thinking of moving into your town. What type of people live here? And the old man responds, well, first, what type of people live in your town? And the guy says, well, you know, the people in my town are really nasty. They, they all just talk crap about each other. They're mean. They're, you know, they, you really can't, you can't hold a conversation with them. They're all nasty. They're trying to take your money, whatever. Um, that's why I'm leaving. So the old man says, well, you know, I'm sorry, but there are people like that in this town too. And so the stranger says, okay, well, thanks for your information. He walks away. Another guy comes and the guy says, uh, stranger says, hey, um, I'm leaving my town. I'm thinking of moving into yours. What type of people live here? And the old man says, okay, well, you know, well, tell me what type of people live where you come from. And the guy says, well, my people, the people in my town are really great. Um, they're really kind. They're fun to work with. We're all like one big happy family. Everybody knows each other. It's really great. Unfortunately, I'm moving because of my job. Um, I really don't have much of a choice, but my job brings me on this side of town, so I'd like to move into yours. So the old man says, well, you'll find that our people are just as nice and just as amicable, and we're all like one big happy family, too. Welcome to our town. And the gentleman says, well, thank you, and he walks into the town. And, of course, the children are sitting there, and they said, well, old man, why did you lie to the first guy? And he says, well, let me explain to you, children. I didn't lie to him. But you have to see, you have to understand that you will get what you're looking for, 
right? You will get what you're looking, looking and seeking. That gentleman, the first gentleman who came, saw in people certain attributes. He's going to be, he's looking for those attributes in people. And when he comes to our town, guess what he'll see? He'll see exactly what he left. Because it wasn't the people in the town, it was his perspective on the people in the town. Right? Super, super, really, really, really good one there. Self-discipline. This is the mass, this is one of the master keys. We talk about goal setting. We talk about how to treat people in service, right? These are major, major keys. Keep staying along, stay along. The laws of nature, major key, self-discipline. Another major key. Any any athlete will tell you that. Rest in peace to one of the greatest, not just athletes, people to ever walk this planet. Kobe Bryant will tell you about self-discipline. Those who command themselves can command others. If you can't control yourself, you cannot by any means be of any use to anybody else. Right? The door to freedom can only be unlocked with the key of self-discipline. Here's a little here's a little uh, uh, a little uh, blurb here in the book. He says, "Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a reward. And sow a character, reap a destiny. Who you are determines the course of your life. If you are a disciplined individual, then you will be able to control life. If you are not disciplined, life will control you. To discover your greatness, we want to consider." These key, key, key tools moving forward. Education. Being curious. Maintaining a childlike curiosity and imagination. The decision and deciding what you want. Taking advantage of opportunities as they come to you. Not wasting time hating other people, hating circumstances, hating anything. And having faith in yourself, right? Those are those are those are some really great tools to for you to to under, to discover your greatness. Now, life doesn't stop for anybody. So whether you listen to these this book review and you decide to 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 take the advice or not take the advice, the world keeps spinning. People who stand still. Get left behind. Even if you move forward and you're wrong, you still move forward. But when you stand still, the world keeps spinning. Another story in this book, a, a young lady, she is, um, she's 18. And she's speaking with a wise guru. And she says, man, I really, you know, I want to be a doctor. I, I want to be a psychologist so bad. But by the time I'm done, I'll be, I'll be, you know, I'll be 25, and that's gonna take so much. That's gonna take so long for me to get. It. I really want to do it, but it's gonna take forever. And the guru says, "Okay, uh, so you're not gonna do it?" And she says, "No, it'll just take too long." The guru says, "Okay, well, if you did do this, you know, become a psychologist, how long would that take you?" And she says, "You know what? About seven, seven or eight years. Yeah, so seven years." And the guru says, okay, well, in seven years, how old, how old will you be? She says, well, I'll be 25. And the guru says, okay, well, okay, let's say you don't become a psychologist. You don't go that route. How old will you be in seven years? She says, 25. And he says, he just gives her a look. 
And she's, she, she comes to the realization herself. She's like, damn, time is going to move anyway. I'm so worried about getting, you know, having something happen now. The reality of it is if I become a psychologist, I do what I want, the time is going to pass anyway. I don't want to get to 25 at a place where I'm happy. I don't want to get to 25 and look back and say, I should have done this, I should have done that. Because either way, time keeps going. Life keeps going forward. So here are some quotes that I didn't uh, add above, but are super, super, uh, really, really good that I, that I think you should keep and put in your toolbox. Success is a progressive realization of a worthy ideal. This is Earl Nightingale. And he goes on to explain, you know, being successful is not money. It's the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. So if you want to be a teacher... If you are constantly working towards being a teacher, and then once you become a teacher, working to become a better teacher, that's success. If you want to be a truck driver, and you're constantly working towards becoming a truck driver, that's success. Now, is it being rich? Is it financially, you know, you're talking about financial independence? No, but he's talking about success, right? Success is not defined by dollars. Remember, we talked about, we said mentioned this earlier, it's money is not money is not the goal, right? It's expression of our soul, right? If you want to be a teacher and that's how you express yourself, your imagination, you express the entirety of yourself, then you're successful, right? The opposite, this is another good one, this rolls right in. The opposite of courage in our society is not cowardice, it's conformity. That's Rollo May. It's not being a coward, it's conforming to the ideals of other people, right? Earl Nightingale goes on uh, at a different point in the book, and he mentioned the top 5%. He, he mentions a, a, um, a symbolic experiment. If you give 100 people, if you ask 100 people if they want to be rich and successful, all 100 will say yes. And forgive me on the math here, but he says after 10 years, only one will be rich. He says three will be dead. Um, I believe three will be dead. Six will be financially independent. And the rest will be working for a wage the rest of their life. Right? So a couple are gonna, in 10 years, a couple are going to die. Some people be financially independent. Over 65% are going to be broke or working wages for the rest of their life, and only one out of that 100 will be rich. Right? And the most, the most um, important and the most relevant and the most symbolic of the quotes that I wanted to isolate is the measure of mental health is the disposition to find good everywhere. That's Emerson. Being able to find good everywhere in life is an expression of how you feel within yourself. If you are constantly finding the bad in the world, then you have, you have turmoil. You have you know, a storm inside that you can only express through the hatred or you know the 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 downgrading and the 
looking at other things as poor and bad, that's how you're expressing your inner self. So a true measure of your mental health is how you look at everything. If you can see good in everything and everywhere, then it's an expression of how at peace you are inside. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, the author of the book that we reviewed today is is, uh, Dennis Kimbrough. So Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice by Dennis Kimbrough. You've been listening to the Market Adventure Show. I've linked my How to Invest in the Stock Market course down in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. But most importantly, share this show with friends and family you think need to hear this information. Again, the more we reach, the more people we can free. Until next time.